Steve Nash is is blowing it right now. I mean. podcast this is david i'm here with ethan and jordan and we're just going to get right into the show uh guys it's been a couple of weeks into the season already we had our christmas games we've had happy new year i hope everybody who's listening had a happy new year i hope everybody's staying safe covid surging around the world uh and uh we will talk about covid later i'm sure uh but we'll get right into it every team at this point basically has played anywhere from four to seven games so while it's still pretty early to talk about standings and stuff like that, there have been a couple of surprises. So, you know, Jordan, why don't you get us started? Because I think two of the teams that you were gazing up all summer, basically, uh, especially in the recent episodes, have been looking pretty good. So why don't you just give us an update? Yeah, man. I mean, look look at the Phoenix Suns. Look at, look at what they're doing. I told people once they got Chris Paul in-house that when you get a guy like that and you see what he did with OKC last year and then Devin Booker obviously you hope he takes another step and he looks like him and him and CB3 are sharing that that that, uh late late in the game like clutch shot duty they're both they're like splitting those opportunities so that's really good to see um because you can you obviously know CB3 is very reliable in that area he's always been one to take the big shots at the end of the games for his teams um so, I mean, I, I just want to point out, I, you guys can't see the video, but Ethan just looks very distraught right now over the Nets lost, and I find it very funny. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. Uh, back to the Suns. Um, Mikal Bridges looks awesome. I think he's a really legit two-way player. I don't think he got enough credit at the start of the season for how good he can be in that rotation. Cam Johnson, also another knockdown shooter who's just really quality NBA player. Um, and he's not just a pure shooter. He can get to the rim as well. DeAndre Ayton looks a lot better than I thought, especially defensively, like offensively, he's kind of been up and down, but the defense looks really good, especially, you know, he's one of those guys. He looks so far, like he's really good at challenging guys at the rim without fouling. Like he just goes straight up and won't get those foul calls because he's just got such good uh, vertical leap. Um, So that's been really impressive. Yeah. I just, the Suns have been super impressive so far. They're playing the Clippers right now. I know it's a close game that that game hasn't finished yet, but they were down, I think 25 at one point and they came back and that's just like really incredible to see. So amazing start for the Suns. I think, like I said, they're a legit top four seed in the West, if fully healthy. And I'm, I'm staying with that. And you know, if you look at, if you look at the advanced stats for Phoenix, I mean, they're top 10 in most categories, true shooting, effective field goal, offensive rating, uh, assist percentage. So these are these are kind of things that you know you, you, it's one thing to look a couple of games of the season. At this point, I think seven games is a pretty good sample size. Um, my only criticism about you know making these kinds of judgments so early is that to be honest, I think we've seen a handful of injuries already just due to poor conditions. Obviously, Spencer Dinwiddie went down with a partially torn ACL. Uh, John Morant has gone down with an ankle sprain. I think Luka Doncic is injured again. I don't think he played today. He's been dealing with some like on and off injuries and 
part of that is just a conditioning. I mean, we kind of expected this going into the season that there is such a short training camp after free agency. There's such a short preseason that I think in part, like guys really just aren't ready. So for me, I'm kind of hesitant to make declarations about any team, like seven games of the season. For, for example, even Brooklyn, who honestly just looked like a very average middle of the pack team so far with Kyrie and KD. Um, even still, I'm not that worried. I, I want to see what does this team look like you know, midway through the season at the all-star break. That's when I think I'll start to worry. However, you know, at the same time, I think seven games is already enough of a sample size where, you know, you can say the first few games are a fluke, but the fact is they have been playing extremely well. And uh, I think, you know, credit to Chris Paul, who's, you know, defying age. I kind of predicted that this would be his, you know, the start of his decline, but, you know, he's been making huge plays. He's been exactly what they need. I mean, right now he's averaging 13 points per game. Uh, his percentages aren't great, but you know he's averaging thirteen and nine. You know at, at his age of thirty-five years. Oh yeah, he he's still getting integrated into that and, offense. Right, and of course I should also say this is in under thirty minutes per game too, and he's still averaging. You know it's twenty-eight minutes per game. He's averaging thirteen and nine, um, forty percent field goal. Obviously making plays, and you know he's. Um, I, I mean, I, I, even I was just a couple of minutes ago before I started the episode, I was looking on Twitter, and uh, apparently he was just beefing with. Uh, with uh, Paul George, um, I think he actually just got a, maybe he just got ejected. I, I don't know. I haven't watched the game because you know obviously we're recording, but that that's exactly what the what they need. Um, I was just watching you know Frank Isola talk about the Suns and and this is something that I said a couple months ago that, you know, it's one thing to be a very young team and and say oh yeah they're a young team up and coming but at a certain point just to quote him, uh, at a certain point you have to become a good team, and so far it looks like that. By the way, Chris Paul is six one. I did not know he was six one. I always thought he was a bit shorter. <laughs> I mean, if he's six one, then how come I'm not in the NBA? I'm just saying. You suck. Oh man, you got you got you got those killer crossovers, Dave. You you sh- you should have made it. I had yeah, I should have. I should have. Yeah, I agree with you guys about the Suns. A little bit surprised how well they're playing, but I knew they were going to be a good team. Um, they're just going to get better with time. I'm not really too concerned with them, especially how they look. Devin D Book is a beast. Cam Johnson's a beast. Javon Carter isn't shooting that well right now from three. I think he's shooting like 12% from three right now. Well, but yeah, Javon Carter is more of a defensive guy. Yeah, but he'll uh, he'll he'll probably – those numbers will uh, revert back to what they were similar to last season most likely. So, uh, Dave, can we good. just – Dave, I just want to get right to Brooklyn because Ethan looks like he has a lot he wants to get off his chest. Yeah, so let's start with Ethan. Very, yeah, very just, distraught. Just, just rant and begin, and then I'll add because I, I – you know – I know Matt always likes to tease me and say I don't watch basketball, but I probably want to watch more. <laughs> I probably watched more Nets games like so far than he will watch all season. So um, I think that it's just it, that's just funny to me. So I I mean I've watched every game with Ethan. I watched like it's always it's already seven games now. So I've watched every single game. I'm gonna continue to watch for as long as I can. Uh, but yeah, Ethan, why don't you just go ahead because you look very um, upset. You look very shook right now. <sighs> Well, I'm I'm very disappointed right now without the natural playing. I mean, you know, ever since Dinwiddie has gone down, you know, we've just become an extremely mediocre team. Um, I know Jordan's not the biggest fan of Dinwiddie, but Dinwiddie's a great player, and it's really going to be a, a big loss that we lost him. I don't know how net, good the Nets are going to be without him, but I think they can still be an extremely good team. But Steve Nash is is blowing it right now. I mean especially in this Wizards game, he had Jeff Green in at the center at the end of the game when our biggest problem is rebounding. 
Jared Allen had 11 rebounds in 25 minutes. Why is he not in the game in the last possession? What are you doing? Are you kidding me? That's a throwaway. What are you doing? I, I'm like, I just don't know. It's just like, it's pissing me off so much because we just lost to the Wizards. Russell Westbrook played like shit. He sucked. He was taking bad shots, doing classic Russell Westbrook stuff. And we were supposed to win that game. Karis LeVert, what the hell are you doing? He's looked like shit all year. He's looked horrible. I think coming off the bench has done something to him. It's pissing him off. He's looked horrible all year. He had that one good game where he had 20 and 10, and he still shot like shit from the field. He's shooting like shit the whole year. He was 3 for 13. If he made two more fucking shots today, we would have won that game. Two more fucking shots. This is ridiculous. DeAndre Jordan is starting. Are you kidding? He sucks. He's How many times is he going to have a fucking offensive interference? How many times? Does he not know the fucking rules? I've seen him do it like 10 times already. I'm, I don't know what to say. Bruce Brown doesn't get any of this at all. He's a good player. He's a decent defender. Why the fuck is he not playing? What is going on with this fucking team? I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Steve Nash is doing a terrible job right now. He has to wake the fuck up. I don't understand. Well, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that Steve Job is doing a terrible job as much as he is not doing a job. And you know, no disrespect to Steve Nash at all. Like Steve Nash, one of my favorite players, and I think that he definitely will become a good coach. But you know, here's the thing: when you are hired for, to to you know coach a team like this you're not allowed to have the kind of growing pains that he's having right now. You're just not allowed, especially with the kind of assistant coaching staff that he has, like a literal all-star, you know, he has like the all-star version of an assistant coaching staff. So you're not allowed to make these. So for example, when a team like the Wizards or the Hawks two nights ago goes on like a 15-0 run, you should have called a timeout like eight points before that to stop the momentum. This is just something that NBA coaches do all the time. You have seven timeouts in a game. You know, you, I think after the half, you usually get timeouts back. So how are you not stopping that momentum? It's just like such a rookie mistake. And it's like these kinds of things literally are the difference between like wins and losses at the end of the day. The Nets could be five and two. It's like these kinds of things that I remember being so frustrated with Kenny Atkinson about is that he would kind of do the same thing. Like if the team started spiraling on offense um, and just playing really badly and give up these runs, he wouldn't call timeouts. He'd just be like, yeah, D'Angelo Russell, like go, go do your thing. Like Karis, go do your thing. And that's not always the right attitude to have. Sometimes you just need to call a timeout and say, guys, what are you doing? You never saw it with Kenny. You saw it with Jacques Vaughn. And he was doing that with like a G League roster of players, basically. Now with Steve Nash, having guys like Mike D'Antoni next to him, he's not doing that. So, I mean, that's just one of the things. I've also just been really suspicious of the rotations that he's been running. Like, you know, you tend to see Kyrie and KD almost always sharing the floor. I think it's been getting a little better recently. But, you know, if one of them gets hurt, you need to make sure that Kevin Durant has chemistry with other guys on the floor. Like it's a long season. You can't just like play KD and Kyrie together like this one unit um, and just expect good things to happen. I mean, that kind of philosophy shows because like Brooklyn, if you look at like assist percentage, they're doing very badly in that. They really don't share the rock. It's a lot of, a lot of ISO plays on the nets. And um, I think part of that is just the coaching. Cause it's kind of like this Mike D'Antoni kind of offense where, you know, like he even pray, um, from the three-point line, live and die by the three-point line, except you don't really have the kind of dynamic player like Harden who's just like can get you 10 assists a game and also score 40 at will from anywhere. Um, Kyrie, that's not his kind of game. And that's certainly KD's not not that his kind of game either. Just like, I mean, KD obviously can score at will from anywhere. But, you know, 
he's more of like a spot up shooter in, in many ways. And he just kind of like creates his own shot. He's not really like one of these guys um, who like is on the motion, like, uh, like Joe Harris. So I, my problem is really that Steve Nash, it's not that he's a bad coach is that he is not a coach. And clearly that one of these big decisions is you look at Deandre Jordan, like you so eloquently said, Ethan, like, I don't understand how he's starting for the team. I really don't understand. I, there, I think that there's definitely a place for him, but when you have Jared Allen doing so much in so little time, and then in the fourth quarter in these important moments, already several games in a row, you bench him to, you know, either play DeAndre Jordan or now Jeff Green at center. I mean, really, really, what is that? Like, what is that? There's no, like, I understand that there's room to experiment all of that, but I mean, these are important losses that uh, could really alter the the seating. I mean, you look at the Lakers, the Lakers could be doing the same thing. They also have an all-star roster, great bench and all that, but they're not messing around right now. They're five and two. The Nets should be five and two. Hell, they should be seven and oh. Every loss has been a game that like should have been winnable. Yeah, I, I can see you guys are just very upset right now. And as the as the resident Knicks fan here, I feel like I have to give you guys a little bit of a taste of your own medicine. So this is the Jordan's rebellion, <laughs> Dave. Like you said, it's it's a small sample size. It's it is only seven games. I think the Nets are going to be fine. Like they're they're going to be a playoff team. Obviously, no one's concerned about that. Um, they're probably going to they'll make it at least to the second round. Probably, I can see them making it to the conference finals. I'm not worried about them long term. But the thing that I worry about, is, especially when you're talking about the playoffs, is are KD and Kyrie going to be okay with like letting jared allen start over deandre jordan or is it going to still be this buddy buddy thing we're like no he has to play with us or katie and Kyrie, no we have to play together you can't stagger our minutes like the lakers have done a really good job of job of with with lebron and ad look at how they stagger their minutes sometimes like you know obviously they play a lot together but in the first few quarters of the game they're staggering their minutes and the lakers still have a really good unit like do stuff like that frank vogel's a great coach for that kind of stuff he doesn't get enough credit for what he's done in la steve nash is just i, I told you guys this when he was hired that when you have a team with championship aspirations in a two-year window where you know Katie and Kyrie both have two years left before their player options, you cannot hire a first-time coach. It just it can't happen. Especially a guy he hasn't even gotten any assistant coach experience. Like if you hired a guy who had five or six years of assistant coach experience, that's fine because at least he knows the ropes. Steve Nash well, it's, it's a Steve, it's a lot like the Jason Kidd thing a couple of years ago with the Nets. Yeah. It was kind of a similar thing except the thing about Jason Kidd is that I think Jason Kidd understood the nuances of coaching much better. And I think he was, he was, he was more creative. I'm not saying that he ran a good offense. Like this is one different difference to be honest. I think the Nets offense has been very good so far from what I've seen on defense. There, I mean, look, you look at Kevin Durant as a guy who came off an Achilles injury and he's literally averaging 28 points per game third in the league. Okay. He's averaging that on basically 50, 40, 90 shooting right now, like literally 50, 1% field goal, 50% from three, 90% free throw. You know, anytime I hear Niels, my brother, and his idiotic takes that Kevin Durant is is a, is a really cold shooter right now. I just I want, literally want to blow my brains out. Like we got we got to get Niels like, on here at some point. Yeah, he's Stephen A of the pod. So Kevin Durant is third in points per game. Kyrie Irving is eighth. Okay, like the LeBron and AD are not even at the top ten. So like sparing this stuff, like like the duo looks very good. It's I'm not really worried about the duo right now. They look really good. Kyrie's had a couple of like really suspect games. But, you know, otherwise, he's been playing extremely well, too. You, when you consider these things, uh, really what I'm more concerned about with Brooklyn is Karis LeVert, like Ethan said. Karis really has not looked like himself. Uh, I think he's really struggling to figure himself out of this newer offense. I think he's really just struggling with his position. Maybe he was expecting to be a starter on this team. 
I don't know really what it is, but he clearly just does not look like himself. And truly, I mean, maybe this is part of their growing pains about becoming an elite team that, you know, we are so used to kind of these, you know, having a Spencer Dinwiddie coming off as a six man, you know, Joe Harris is your starting shooting guard, you know, having, uh, I, I guess I got so used to that, but these things obviously can change, but I do agree with Ethan. And I, I, I mean, Ethan, like, do you think that the Nets are going to be this kind of middle of the pack team, or do you think that they will be able to pick it up? I mean, what, what changes do you think we need as a team to? I think there's too much talent on the team for us to be middle of the pack. I think that, you know, once, as you said before, there was no training camp, but there was not a lot of preparation to go into the season. Yeah. So there's just like, it's going to take a while for some teams to start playing like, you know, basketball with a lot of chemistry and have a lot of continuity in the offense and all that stuff. And even on defensive schemes and stuff like that, like it's going to take a little bit more time than usual. Do I think the Nets are going to be an elite defensive team? No, I think they can be a middle of the pack of defensive team. And when their offense is a, as high powered as ours, I think that that would be okay. But like, you know, giving up 140 points to the Hawks and we won that game. That's not, that's not good. No matter, you know, even though the Hawks, they have a really good offense and, you know, Bogdanovich was on fire and all their players were hitting all their shots. But even like the Wizards, you know, we gave up 120 points to them and Russell Westbrook was shooting bricks. So that's concerning. So, I mean, they're going to have to pick it up. There are some good defenders on the Nets. TLC is a good defender. KD is a good defender. You know, Joe Harris isn't a great defender. Kyrie is okay. definitely no. Kyrie has definitely stepped it up on defense too. I he see has getting, stepped it up. On I defense. see him just going for. He's trying like, harder for sure. Yeah, he's definitely. Um, like, I still don't know why Bruce Brown isn't playing at all. I'm, he's a pretty. He's a decent defender. I mean, why um, can, we, they, can we get back? Can we get back to Levert for a second? Yeah, I'll, I'm I really like up there. That, that that's not being talked about enough. Like, Levert looks. It's not just bad. He looks horrible. He looks like just he belongs in the G League right now. He I want to go that no far, co- dude. He has no. I'm not saying obviously he should be in the G League, but he has this, no this, confidence this, at this all. This is the this is the Knicks. He has no. He, that he's oh trying to rub God. in. He has Harrison. no confidence at all. I'm not saying he should be in the G League. You guys are taking my words too seriously. I'm saying that he just looks ridiculously bad right now. He, he is not. He, he he is. This is what I told you guys about him years ago. I like Harris Levert. I am a Harris Levert fan. But the problem is with him is that he's 26. He's injury prone. And he's one of those guys, he needs the ball in his hand to be successful. He needs a high usage rate. He's not used to this role of being like a six man where he's going to be like mixed in with Katie and Kyrie and, and getting those kinds of minutes. Like he needs where it's like just him and Kyrie and then he can be the number two. Like being a number three is going to be a big change for him. I think eventually he'll be able to deal with it. But in the early parts of the season, there's, there's going to be a lot more growing pains than I thought. Well, I think my hot take is that uh, the, the number three of the team right now is Joe Harris, without a doubt. Right Joe now, Harris, yeah. Joe Harris is averaging 51% from the field. He's averaging 14 points per game. Uh, that's actually more points per game than Karis Levert. And, you know, no, Karis, consider Karis. also now that Karis Levert um, has only had two games shooting above 40%. He, uh, and if you get rid of his game against the Celtics, which is actually a very good game, um, I, I mean, not actually that great, but for this season, I should say, because I think he had like seven turnovers that game. Um, all things considered, though, I mean, he really has been dismal like he has been he's just been awful and i mean now when you think about this in the context of you know a potential trade for uh james harden whose name i'm censoring because i you know i don't want to think about that right now actually averaging 37 points per game by the way in a, in a he, look, he, he looks awesome yeah so you know um 
Yeah, I, th- I think the, the Karras situation is very weird. I mean, even by in terms of minutes, yeah, he's not starting, but his minutes really aren't that down that much. He was averaging like 29 minutes per game uh, when he was starting, and now he's just he's at 26 minutes per game. He's still getting it, but I mean, his field goal percentage is under 40%. That's, that is just terrible. Effective field goal percentage is 44%. I mean, that's awful. I mean, that was always a question mark with him too, but you know, I think we were all hoping, especially after his incredible performance of the bubble, I think we were all hoping that this would be the year that, you know, he would be that X factor. Um, and yeah, I mean, really, it's it's unfortunate because you really see like the, the weakness of the second unit when when um, when he comes out. And I mean, offensive rating under 100 points. I mean, that's that's just it's pathetic. I don't know. And again, it's a very early sample size, no training camp, et cetera, et cetera. But um, and the, the, the rebounding rate is just... You know, moving past Levert, the, Ethan brought up with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan was brought in $40 million over four years to do two things. He was brought in to rebound and he was brought in to defend. He can't do either of those things right now. He's, he's not doing either of them well. He's getting bullied by opposing centers in the paint. Like, they're just getting easy layups on him and just dunks. And, and he can't rebound the ball. He's like, he, he, you know what? I'll take that back. He can rebound, but he's giving up so many second chance points and that's our leading the league. The issue with DeAndre second. Jordan is, is not the rebounds. It's the effort. It's the effort. And like, it's, it's not, it's just that he just turns his brain off and is just lazy in a way that Jared Allen isn't because actually Jared Allen, I, I mean, he could, Jared Allen could probably average 25 rebounds a game if he didn't have Butterfingers. <laughs> no, like actually, if he didn't have Butterfingers, he could average like 25 rebounds a game. I'm not joking. He drops. Well, that, so that's much. a big problem. The Butterfingers has been a problem for like his entire career. It's yeah, not but just like a aver- small but thing. He still averages not, a double double off the so bench. Far this year. Yeah. Not that it, but bad it, this year. No, he looks good this year. No, he looks. But the problem is, is that like when you have, you know, you, you paid John Jordan 40 million, you invested a number uh, first round pick into. Uh, Jared Allen and and you spent all this time developing him and now you're playing 45 year old Jeff Green important minutes at the center who's you know Green's more of a small forward power forward like when you're when you're doing that like that says a lot about your team like how you feel about your two centers right now I'm also like the thing is they got Garrett Temple for the same thing and they shipped him off to Chicago um so you know I I don't think that like DeAndre Jordan I, I mean I hope I'm not wishing him to get traded or anything necessarily. They should trade. Really they should. They should. They should trade. But I'm saying Don't it's throw possible. A bag of chips, then I'm I have saying the team. No, like DeAndre. The thing is, given the roster, they need a guy like DeAndre Jordan to handle these these kinds of like the John Collinses and the Joel Embiid's, like these kinds of. No, big but he's centers. not doing it though. He's but not. They he's also, not doing it. No, I mean he did a decent job on John Collins actually when they played. And also, to be honest, there really aren't like DeAndre Jordan. How I think they should be using him is like that off the bench and just like. Kind of in those like those like second quarter, third quarter possessions where it's like, for example, like if it was an Embiid and their bench against like you know Kyrie and our bench, like then you put DeAndre Jordan in and you have everybody playing a zone and you have DeAndre like just just smother Joel Embiid and shut him down because that's something that the Nets have really struggled with for like the entire time I've been watching them. You just have big men go off for 30, 40 points routinely. It's it's sad. Like Vucevic will just become a different person. Ennis Kanter can get a 30-30 against him. Ennis Kanter, baby, yeah. cooking Jared yeah. Allen every yeah. single time. No, actually. So, like, that's the – they literally – unfortunately, that's just a weakness of Jared Allen's game just because of his frame. So uh, – but I want to just get back to Karras for a second because it's really, like, confounding how he was, like, the, the playoff leader in points for game two years in a row. I mean, is, is, if he's not going to be that next year, like, if he's not going to be, like, a stud in the playoffs, like, the Nets aren't going anywhere. Because he because like, then he was the number one option. Think about it. That's what like Dilo wasn't playing well, so he had to take no, over. No, but even still, like but, I mean, his percentages were were incredible. I mean, he was highly efficient in the playoffs. Like keep in mind, like Harris. Uh, yeah, no, he was very good. Harris dropped fifty one points last year. 
you know, when he was the number one option. Right, but but that's uh, even still like that's the kind of player he can be. He has the potential to go off like that in a way that nobody else on the Nets can. So it's just to, it's not even that he's like taking a step back or like I would have expected his points to go down, his usage to go down. That's fine, but it's even when he has those opportunities, it's like brick shot. It's not even like he's getting close to the rim, air balls. You know, like like just hitting these these like bricks like into the rim. I mean, like a lot of turnovers, sloppy passes, like. It's just like it's it's he he just looks really bad. I want to call him like a G League player, but he he just no. Okay, you guys you guys took my G League comment too seriously, but he yeah he just looks uncomfortable in his role right now. But let's on on that note, I mean there are some other surprising teams. Like if you look at the at the standings, like for example, Toronto is currently one and four. Uh, the Sacramento Kings, on the other hand, are currently a playoff team at three and three, and I did not expect that at all. Uh, meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets are two and four. Um, you know, Knicks are three and three, baby. The Knicks, uh, I, I really, I'm sticking to what I said. I think the Knicks are going to surprise people. I don't think they're going to be like some some incredible team or anything. The Miami Heat are also like their tenth seed right now. So obviously, you don't take too much stock into these things. I think the kind of the 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 points differential between like opponent and team points per game, I think, says more about the kind of quality of teams. But it's still so early. It's really early to be making these kind of predictions, but like who else has been uh, another team that surprised me, honestly, is the Atlanta Hawks. Cause I remember we talked on the podcast uh, about, you know, Matt's called said Trey Young is going to be MVP candidate. We clowned him, but I mean, the media is the media. He's, he's third in or fourth in points per game. I think he's averaging the same thing as Kyrie. No, sorry. He's averaging the same thing as Kevin Durant right now, 28.2 points per game. So, I mean, Dave, you, Dave, you saw that Nets game where he was just sticking his ass out and just getting, okay. Harden, Harden did that on his way to MVP. So like, I'm just saying Harden's at least more creative with his fouls. Like like, Trey Young just flings his body and like, just gets easy foul calls. Look, I, I mean, I, I have my whole, I have my idea of the Trey Young rule, which is like a team should just be allowed to just like deck somebody like once <laughs> per game. And you don't know when it's coming. So like, you know, just to avoid this kind of BS that have in general, I think of the NBA is way too many fouls are called. It needs to be more. I, I hate to sound like a boomer, but like so many free throws per game, like 40, 50 free throws per game. I and mean, come on, who wants to watch that? It's boring. It's like a baseball game. It's so slow. Come on, give us more yeah, action. Man, don't 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 disrespect baseball. Come on. I'm not disrespecting baseball, but even <laughs> but you know it, it is what it is. I also I'm I'm curious I'm I am curious what you guys think about the um about the Nuggets right now. Yeah, they're also playing pretty badly. Um, Jamal Murray has not been playing well. Um, so we can start with that. Well, Jamal Murray actually just had 36 points. Yeah, but his first good game of the season. But before Jokic playing like an MVP though. Jokic's yeah. been playing well. Jokic is currently averaging 23 points per game, 13 assists, and 11 rebounds, which is yeah, one Jokic of the most is... baller triple doubles I've ever seen. And he is a center, and he's averaging 60 percent from the field, 46 from three point line. That's insane. I mean, he, came, he came into he came into camp in shape this time around. Like he looks great yeah. starting off. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. also is averaging almost 20 points per game. Again, it's it's a short sample size, but, you know, this is, I mean, it's all, I really think that, like, it's, you know, you can also, like, doom about them and say, oh, they're two and four, oh, it's awful, but I, I think they will end up being a better team. Like, it is kind of too early, but even still, like, I, the team that really surprises me is, is the Phoenix Suns. I, I can't say this enough. Like, like um, it, it seems real. Again, I mean, I mean, we might be wrong, but it does seem real. I, I think it's... I really think it's like uh, I think they're gonna make it. I think they're gonna be a playoff team. I actually like. Hot, do, you, do you do you want my hot take? Do you well, want my like my you, super spicy take right now? Your old super spicy take about them being a fifth or sixth seed. I could see it. No, 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 no. Spicier than that. I think 
after the two LA teams, I think they can be the third best team in the West. Ahead of Portland, ahead yeah. of yeah. Denver. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think Man, they're I'd, that good. I'd bet money on that, actually. I'd bet money against you on that. I, I, I think they're that good. Would, would you bet $20 on that? I'd, I'd consider it. No, I think, I think, no, no, no. I think, I, I think Portland, maybe not Denver. Who are we talking about? Saying Phoenix, Phoenix. will finish ahead of Portland in the, uh, in the playoffs. Mm. In the seedings. I will. I would bet twenty dollars on that right now. Really, I think I think Portland's a little bit overrated. Honestly, I think they're really good, but I think they're also kind of overrated. Okay, but so so you want to make this bet, and we have our our listeners, our our ten listeners to to be witness. <laughs> so twenty dollars that they finish higher than Portland. Yes. Okay. Okay, right. it's a, done. That's a deal. Okay. It's done. Shake. Fake yeah. shake. Virtual shake from Brooklyn to Long Island. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. I also just want to say real quick. Um, Gordon Hayward is playing better than I thought he would. Right now, he's averaging 19, 5, and 5. Um, so, pretty decent. He's shooting 94% from the free throw line. And I don't think the Hornets uh, – what are the Hornets also, like 2 and 4 or something? Well, also, LaMelo Ball has not really been playing at all. It's kind of, it's kind of shocking that they don't – Yeah, even, they, don't, they, don't, they don't start him. It's, it's really it's, shocking. Uh, I actually like the they strategy. They start Tyler I like that strategy though, because here's the thing: Terry Rozier is a fantastic defensive point guard, and he's also he's averaging 23 points per game. I wouldn't go as far to say fantastic. He's like no, he's he, feisty. I was I no dude. I was I was reading something um like a couple of weeks ago. Like apparently, like people shoot 10 percent worse uh when from like four, on average like 44 percent or whatever. It's like 33 percent when he guards them. That's crazy. Mm. That's crazy. I did not know that. And this is like well, over the yeah. course of a season. But look, he's Terry Rozier is averaging t- like 23 points per game right now. So. In a way, it's an interesting challenge to take a guy like Lamelo, who just came from like Australia, and say, "Okay, you have to earn your spot. We're not going to be like Zion. We're just going to shower you with praise." Because obviously, Lamelo came with a lot of hype, but I do like the strategy because that's kind of what they did with his brother in LA. They kind of just said, "Oh yeah, there's no expectations. Just do whatever." And you know, he was gone as soon as he got there. So I actually like it a lot. I think that, and um, honestly, Lamelo hasn't been anything to write home about in terms of like the rookie of the year race so far. He's had some like dazzling passes. Obviously, his IQ's off the charts, like his brother. But um, I, you know, he's, he's been nothing. He's not playing badly though. I mean, he's averaging 11, four and four in 23 minutes. 42.3 percent from three, 71.4 percent from the free throw line. He's effective field goal percentage is 52 percent. That's pretty good. So he's playing. He's playing. He's all in, playing all in 23 uh, minutes a game. Yeah, no, he's playing. He's playing okay. Yeah, I want. I also I wanted to get back to the Nuggets for a second because I think the they had a couple of losses in the offseason. They lost Jeremy Grant, who we saw in the playoffs was a big piece for them. He he helped them in that uh, Clippers series, making big shot after big shot. Um, I mean, they lost Mason Plumlee, who probably got overpaid in Detroit, but he was a key part of that rotation too. Um, they haven't really had. They Michael Porter Jr. has only played a couple of games due to COVID protocols. Um, well, Barton's upset because he doesn't want to be considered a six man. He wants to be a starter. Um, so they're going through some bumps and bruises right now. I, I think they'll be okay. Like I said, the same thing with Brooklyn. I think the Nuggets will be fine. They'll be a playoff team, obviously. But I think the Grant loss is going to hurt them more than people realize. Yeah, no, I also said that that would hurt them. And Jeremy Grant's 
He's actually averaging 23 points a game right now. He has that sort yeah. of really and bad it's crazy team, because, but... because people said – he got the same offer from the Nuggets that he, as he did from the Pistons, but he wanted to go to the Pistons because he wanted a bigger role. Which is a which... shame because the Pistons are like the most like mediocre team in basketball. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it if you want to – you you know, you want to be a star. I, I, I mean, I consider you – know, is he the best player on the Pistons? I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. But – like I just think it makes more sense if you're getting this, especially the same exact contract. He he should have gone back to Denver. Yeah, I mean he's put right in, right now. Like when he comes to his next contract, are people going to think he's actually legit, or is he just putting up numbers on a yeah, bad that, team? That's that a, was that's probably right now. That was probably his play, just to go to a team where he knows he can score a lot of points and hopefully get like some last big contract. Yeah, that's definitely possible. It's definitely it's been a very interesting season though. Like aside from Harden, I mean, I feel like the the individual like we don't have like a thousand people like scoring like like thirty points. Beal, I, Beal I think is like second behind Harden. Yeah. Harden's Beal not even qualified 32. because he doesn't have enough games. Beal has thirty two right now. And yeah. um, Wizards, the Wizards have been kind of disappointing. Aside from tonight, where they look, they obviously beat the Nets. Um, they're two and five right now. Like Westbrook, obviously Westbrook just looks terrible. Like I like I knew he. Like he's obviously not his old MVP self, but he just he's taking so many bad shots. But dude, here's the thing about here's the thing about the Wizards, which is why I really didn't want Denny to end there because <laughs> the Wizards are, I think, like in all things considered, uh, okay, uh, forget the bullets aside. I think the Wizards, like the Wizard, the iteration of the Wizards, um, they are like the worst NBA franchise of all time. Like even worse than the Hornets, worse than the Grizzlies. Like they have no significant history other than Gilbert Arenas like pulling a gun in the locker room. Um, they their jersey's ugly. No fan base. Uh, DC is a horrible sports town. Horrible. So I mean, I think relocate the team to Baltimore where they actually can get fans. And like I just I just despise the Wizards so much. It just everything about them. I, I just I really can't stand it. So Russell Westbrook goes there. I think he's just kind of like zero expectations. Um, nobody expects him to win. I, I don't know about zero expectations. This team was expected to make the playoffs, and they're. Oh, yeah, I expect I expect them to be a playing team. What are they gonna do? They Fire Scott Brooks? Nets, but Scott Brooks no. is playing. Scott Brooks is doing a horrible. Dude, job. Scott he's Brooks really... is a young guy, and somehow he's still a dinosaur, like in the NBA by NBA standards. <laughs> like he's literally a young man, all things considered, and the offense is like a dinosaur offense. So I mean, and then you think about freaking Obi Toppin on the Knicks, and it's like it could have been Denny. No disrespect to Obi Toppin, I'm sure. I, I think he's gonna be a good player, but. It's just it's just so upsetting. Like like Dude, don't 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 remind me. My really about having Denny in New York is, is always gonna haunt me. Like I, it's not like you know Steph Curry on the Knicks level. I don't think it'll ever be like that. Maybe I'll be wrong, but it just that'll always haunt me about like you know just not having like Avdian in New York at all. It just it, it's just really depressing to me to be honest. Dude, speaking of surprises, we're talking about Westbrook. John Wall was looking pretty good with the Rockets. Yeah, I, I mean the fit surprised. is also like the fit was questionable, but I mean yeah, he's making it work. He's he played a really good game the other day. I think he had like twenty six points uh, against the Kings. Like you said, the Kings are look they're, they're in a playoff playoff spot right now. Obviously, it's only you know we're sounding like a broken record here, but it's only a couple of games, so it's not really a legit sample size. But Wall looks really good. He looks super athletic. He talked about it uh, I think last week, where when he I think he got an infection from his Achilles surgery, where they were it's considering one point like is he gonna have to cut his foot off? Oh my god. Kinda, kind of crazy like we didn't even know that part of his rehab so the fact to see him back on the court after like what is it almost two years off like and see him look this explosive this quickly is just it's really awesome to see i'm, I'm happy that he's doing well in in uh houston almost i wonder with Washington. the rockets if uh if demarcus cousins is going to be getting uh any action because he's been like 
barely yeah, playing. Christian Wood. Christian Wood looks awesome there. He's playing really well. It's another guy who's I can't I still can't believe they he only got three million three years twenty seven million because he he was great with the Pistons. He had a lot of potential and now he's going to the Rockets. He's just looking like an all around really solid big man. Yeah, no, the the Rockets um, they have the, if Harden stays there, they could be a really dangerous, a really dangerous team. They, but they is, can is be a good team. I don't yeah. think he's staying. I think he's this not, is... but he's not, but I think he should. But now you think about it in the context of, of you know these last few games, like who like you know, all these targets before like the Celtics. Are the Celtics really gonna trade for Harden at this point? Like Jalen no, Brown. No. Jalen Brown looks great. But he's playing well with Jason Tatum, which actually like I don't think was really true in the past. I think like kind of um not not that they play badly together, but I think that they've actually kind of figured it out like how to play together and it's really scary. It's really scary. I mean, because keep in mind, there was like like two years ago, like I would say that Karis Levert was like a better player than Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown was almost like a bust and it wasn't that unbelievable of a take. And now like obviously Jalen Brown, it took him a few years, but I mean, he's just, he's literally playing like all-star. Uh, Jason Tatum is like, they're like, if the Bucks finish top seed, he has like MVP case for himself. Um, the Celtics have been pretty good, pretty darn good. Jason hated, he just hit a game winning shot against the uh, Pistons too. Yeah, uh, Brown was Brown was great in that game also. So what are they going to do? I mean, are they going to trade Kemba for Harden really and like ruin what they have right now? I don't think no, so. No, if 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 they traded for Harden, it would ha- Brown would have to be the piece going back. And it's I mean, like what, the same if, thing with, with Ben Simmons. Given how Karras is playing, like are you going to trade him and DeAndre Jordan and all these guys like for Harden right now in the Nets really and just hope it works? I mean, I feel like the, the fit is questionable at best at this point. I mean, as it is, the Nets are already struggling to put it together. Like, you know, they should be they really should be 7 and 0 right now, so and I'm not just saying that as like a, you know, a fair weather fan, like actually like every game that they lost was completely winnable. And that was four games in a row that they dropped. Like it just gave me Kenny Atkinson flashbacks, honestly. Nets can never, they can never give me a 20 point win. They can never give me like a, a nice comfortable 15 point win. You know, the, the game is decided at the end of the third quarter. I can just go like every fourth quarter has to be intense. I mean, it's great from a basketball perspective, a lot to watch, but it's, it's stressful. It's really stressful. Yeah, it's been like just, this for I guess, four years. I guess you, you, you just don't want to know what it's like Julius Randle cooking the Bucks in MSG. You just you just don't know that feeling. Yeah, and I also thankfully don't know what it's like to just like lose by 20 every single game for extended season. Uh, you watched those 2016-17 Nets. Apparently only one because like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently. So many bandwagon fans for the Nets recently too. So many. Out, oh, out, out of the woodwork. Out of, out of the woodwork. It's the KD Kyrie effect. 7-Eleven, baby. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, it would be unforgivable if they spoiled this. This is like the equivalent of getting like Messi and 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 Neymar on your uh, on your soccer team in you in like America. Like, if you don't win from that, it's just pathetic. Like, it's just pathetic. Like, you they, that is going to haunt you. So, uh, I don't know. I I think that I think we'll we'll keep the discussion up to there for now. Uh, I actually the last thing I want to talk about is is COVID again, because as you guys know, COVID is surging in uh, in america there's a new highly contagious variant too so chicago bulls thomas sadaronsky tested positive for covid obviously over christmas the bulls had some uh issues uh i think garrett temple tested positive in november and then uh, some staff tested positive after christmas so and also the clippers this is actually something i just read while you were talking jordan that seven members of the la clippers support staff are in quarantine because they partied in salt lake city uh, so players are going to be at risk. I just want to kind of talk about, think about the bubble again. Do you guys think it's a mistake that the NBA isn't trying to do another bubble thing? Um, I think it's impossible to do one if they're, if they're trying to have a 70 plus game regular season. I mean, 
just like the mental toll of being in a bubble for that long, I think it would just be crazy. I think the NBA for their precautions, like for teams that are traveling, I mean, um, the players are, are not allowed to leave the team hotels when they're traveling to other cities and stuff like that. So uh, the NBA is trying their best. I do think they might do another a bubble for the playoffs or something, maybe. But don't but, you think it's a little suspect that, like, you know, even the rules, depending on the stadium, are different? Like, in New York, you can't have any fans. In Boston, you can't have any fans. You go to Yeah, because that's how it goes. You know, different states handle their business in different... different no, but the uh, NBA is a league. They can set rules. Because, I mean, that's just... That's a bit crazy, like, the... No, the but the NBA, they're trying to make money. They're, they want to make as much money as possible, so... Well, but, I mean, they, you if, look if, at they the... can, if they can get fans to watch their games and pay for tickets, then, yeah, they're going to do that. I just remember like the whole fiasco in Major League Baseball where thankfully they didn't shut down their season, but they got so close and that was basically without fans. And I mean, ba- and football has had all these troubles with scheduling and, you know, football has like, been terrible. Like yeah, they, it's, they, it's, they, they, they bragged at the end of the season about how they survived the entire season, but there was, there should have been cancellations. They literally endangered, like they literally endangered the lives and, and, and like careers of people like even Lamar Jackson. I think I remember him saying in an interview since he got COVID, he hasn't felt the same. He still can't taste or anything like that. I mean, it's horrible. It's it's really horrible. And so, like, the thing is, the NBA, there are so many games. Like, I, I just can't imagine if, if there's an outbreak on a team, which I think it's more on the likely side than the unlikely that, like, a whole team will see an outbreak. By the way, I think this is pretty good for the Nets considering most of them have gotten sick with COVID already. <laughs> um, so I think they have some sort of immunity. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just think that that will do such a damage to the schedule. Or, like, you just do a ton I mean- of ton – of, give a ton of problems to the schedule you already saw with the rockets like the rockets basically had to put a nobody and so i think the standings are just going to be really weird this year honestly yeah you, you spoke about the rockets you know aside from james harden being an idiot and going to strip clubs and like or he, he doesn't want to call them their birthday parties with with women walking around and like just basically fully nude if he doesn't want to call it a strip club or whatever it is um the nba has done a pretty good job with like very strict protocols you see players masked up on the bench like they're not really like interactive practices with, too. Yeah, practices. The coaches are masked up, even though literally I see coaches all the time taking them off in the middle of games. Um, but it's fine. I mean, as long as long as they're wearing them for the majority of the game. Um, but yeah, the, the NBA would never do a bubble for a full season. The players like talk about how tough it was for them even to be in there for like two months. And if if they tried to do that for like a full, let's say, what is it, a season like five or six months, I think the players would just go insane. They would laugh at that kind of proposal. But like Ethan said, maybe for maybe for the playoffs, if the players don't get vaccinated by then, uh, which I expect them to, I think the, a lot of professional athletes will get vaccines um, soon enough. But yeah, I mean, it, there's bound to be an outbreak at some point. Like guys will be a little bit irresponsible. It's like it's a league of over 300 players. Like someone's bound to do something idiotic that will cause uh, five or six guys to test positive in a in a, in a you know city they go to like Atlanta or Miami or something like that where they just go out one night um but yeah I mean it, it's bound to happen but I think the NBA has done a good job so far and I, I hope they can continue to limit the amount of positive tests yeah so to end on a, on a more positive note um who do you think is uh, your MVP candidate so far you know we're already two three weeks into the season well not two three weeks it's more like two weeks but who's your Who's your MVP candidate so far after these two weeks? Even though they don't have the record to show for it, I'm going with KD. He's yeah. playing the best. He's the best player in the NBA right now. I mean, just look at what he's doing. He's shooting, averaging nearly 29 points a game and doing on 50, 40, 90. I mean, come on. And he's also averaging like 
what six rebounds and seven assists like this is absolutely disgusting he's i i just think the narrative is there honestly if he's a 50 40 90 player with you know 28 7 and 7 or something you know the nets are uh top four team i just think the narrative is there to give him his mvp and uh, i agree with you 100 I, yeah i i would say kevin durant too yeah i i think i'm gonna agree with you guys i'd go kd i think uh Jokic is there too Probably yeah. with like you know, David brought up those crazy numbers, averaging 13 assists as a center. That's obviously not going to hold up over. He's a not going to keep it up because they're also going to rest yeah. him for half the season too. And I think that's yeah. going to. I actually think that's going to make the race really interesting when stars rest for half the season. I mean, like Kawhi Leonard, for example, we've heard nothing about this man at all. Like, like, you know, like. <laughs> he, I mean, he broke his face the other day. Yeah, no, but I'm, I'm saying. Mask. Yeah, but like, it's weird. Like, this is this is one of the most talented players in the NBA. We hear next to nothing about him. Because he, he just, rests like every other day. Yeah, and that's fine. That's that's completely fine. But it's like th- th- that affects your your case for trophies at the end of the day. Like, yeah, he'll be an all star or whatnot. I mean, in a way, Kawhi's yeah. already won everything he needs to win, except for like MVP, uh, regular season MVP. But like that stuff is gonna matter. Like, and obviously, KD and Kyrie have already gone their rest days for the second nights of back to back. So how many more of those are we gonna have? That they're not. Gonna, they're not gonna play many back to backs. But if you right, but even still, if you compare it like with a guy like, for example, Trey Young, who I don't think is going to be resting as much, uh, I think this really does change the nature of the game. Or even think about like LeBron and AD too, because it'll be the same thing with them. So I actually think the MVP race will be very interesting. But I think if KD plays most of the season, there's really nobody better to give it to than him. I I agree. I think KD's probably the front runner right now, even though it's only seven eight games. Yeah, well, on that note, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode of the Getting Buckets podcast. I hope you've been enjoying season two of the podcast. And um, we'll get back to you probably next week. Guys, I want to thank you for coming on the show. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us on Spotify. We could really use the support. Follow us on Twitter at GetBucketPod. We'll be back next week. I hope you guys stay safe. Have a happy new year. And enjoy your lives. Peace. Peace.